This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is brought to you by Everyman Jack. If you haven't heard of them, they're a men's grooming company that creates some of the highest performing, best smelling products on the market. They believe it's not just about what you put in your body that matters, but what you put on your body from their body wash to deodorant to beard oil and more. They're made with naturally derived ingredients and incredibly outdoorsy scents that bring the best of nature to their bottles and bars. I'm a huge fan of all their stuff. The sandalwood scent, probably my favorite of all the things they have. And it's literally in my shower right now. So here's what you do. Head to everymanjack.com today and use our special promo code PUT6, PUT and the number six for 25% off on orders of 50 bucks or more, making small changes to your routine, even in the shower, can have a significant impact. And Everyman Jack makes that easy. Everyman Jack, naturally derived, outdoor inspired. We're also sponsored by Amino Vitals. Amino Vitals' mission is to provide the highest quality of amino acid-based nutritional products to all athletes aspiring to improve their conditioning and performance. The BCAAs, Glutamine and arginine help replenish the body's muscle proteins and jumpstart the recovery process. I've been using Amino Vital since last fall, got introduced to them, and I see a positive impact from their action and recovery products. It helps me just get rid of some of those, you know, aches and pains that come with a tough workout. Hit up amino-vital.com, use the code PUT6 at checkout and save 20% or just click on their link on the show page and save today. Brian Eddy joins the show today. He's a retired colonel in the United States Air Force and the founder and president of Bond Fire Ranch, a nonprofit with the mission of warming the hearts of families, especially military and first responders. Brian served for 28 years in the Air Force, including a pair of assignments at Dover Air Force Base, his last assignment as the commander of the Air Force Mortuary Affairs Operations. He's been part of ensuring our fallen heroes received the dignified transfer they deserve. A heavy job, to be sure. Through that, he realized he needed to address mental health in his life. And with that, the Bonfire Ranch was born. Let's meet Brian on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Hey guys, Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Excited to have Brian Eddy on the show because he's got a hell of a name. As you can see, if you're watching on the YouTube channel here, he likely has the best facial hair in the history of the program. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm racking my brain. I mean, no disrespect to any other guest that has that has facial hair that's joined us, present company included, as the host. But I mean, it's not every day you get a stash and, you know, a soul patch thing going there. So B, you look good, man. It's it's the cowboy in me coming That's out, it. Right, you yeah. know. I love it. It suits you well in your role as uh, the founder and president of Bonfire Ranch. Before that, uh, again, a shout out to our show sponsors. Big thanks to them, my folks at Amino Vital. Much love and appreciation. I'm not not even like kind of an an accident rocking the T-shirt today. Just got a lift in, uh, put some re recovery Amino Vitals in my system. I was like, let me just throw the T on for the show here today. So. Here we are, uh, but it's all good. Just grateful for them putting a little wind in the sails of this pirate ship here. Uh, so we're grateful for that partnership and that sponsorship to help us out a little bit, pay a few bills around these parts. And so go support the products that we're using here, right? Every man Jack is in my shower every day. No bullshit. 
Amino Vital going into the system pretty much every day, right? So go help them out, support them. They're helping out the show and they're helping us get connected with guests like this. And so Brian Eddie's here and man, we're going to talk about a lot. We're going to get to know you, talk about your service in the great United States Air Force, but what's going on on Bonfire Ranch today? I mean, what's happening in, in the ranch life? Hey, ranch life is great. In fact, uh, just this weekend, we hosted uh, four airmen uh, out of Maxwell Air Force Base. They're here for a class and they came up and, you know, spent a little time doing a little bit of ranch work, learning how to do some fencing and taking down old barbed wire. But more importantly, they worked on their resiliency. Yeah. Um, you know, the big thing about Bonfire Ranch is creating resilient members of our service and their families. And so we got them out. Uh a couple of them never used a, a saw. A couple of them okay. never used an impact gun. So I mean, kind of uh, Billy Crystal City Slicker style. <laughs> to an go. extent, is a pretty there decent reference, right? Even I was more thinking so. about that this morning, getting ready for this. I'm like, hello, hello, Norman, hello. <laughs> Even That's more so cut. when we put them in the horses. You know, when we put them up on the horses and you watch them, you know, trying to use a steering wheel with the yeah. reins. It's yeah. like, yeah, no, no, no. Dude, I would be lost. I would be lost. <laughs> All right. So tell me what this place is, right? So our, our listeners heard service members on the ranch resiliency. We're going to sort of uh, Tarantino style our conversation than when our get, than when our listeners are used to, where I talk a lot about you on the front and then your organization on the back. But I was like, I got a feeling, I just, I don't know. Guy's got a hell of a name, hell of a stash. He's going to want to lead with what they're doing at Bonfire Ranch. So what is this place, man? Yeah. So um, we're in central Alabama, about 30 minutes out of Maxwell Air Force Base and just uh, south of Birmingham, right yep. in between. Yep. Um, and my wife's from Birmingham. And I said, you know what? We need to figure out how we get close to her family because mm. their fam her family's done a great job growing up uh, with the kids. And they, you know, I've had 14 different assignments in the Air Force yeah. and they have traveled. And I said, you know what? We need to get close to home. Uh, so we we looked and, and found this place. We, we bought about 40 acres nice. uh, with a two acre pond on it uh, that's stocked at the moment with catfish to put up a nice bite. Um, but I, but you can I still get them, but you can still go get them. Yeah. Still go get them. That's good. Um, but I started thinking before retirement, uh, just through my own uh, experiences that I needed a place to kind of build resiliency and especially with the family. Mm. Uh you know, having 14 assignments in 28 years, uh, a lot of traveling uh, with those assignments yeah. and a lot of deployments. I knew that I wanted to spend time with the family and doing it outdoors and doing it with horses uh, is is something that really helps me. And so mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? It's going to create my resiliency, but I want to share with folks as well to create resiliency in them and their families. What? After 28 years in the United States Air Force, and thank you for your service and love that you were off, off into the wild blue yonder, why, why did that resiliency need to be created? I mean, 28-year career in the military, man, the, the, you're going to tell us later about the stuff you were tasked with doing, but right. what, what, what was the need there? So, you know, so many of us in the service, and, and I say so many of us because I've worked with so many that focus so much time and effort to what it is that we do that sometimes our family gets lost. Mm. Um, not right, not wrong, you know, well, it is kind of wrong, um, you know, that they get lost in the mix. Some people do it really well. And yeah. I, I know a lot of those folks that do it very well, that they create that balance. 
Um, you know, but it's it's sometimes very difficult. And especially, you know, as your dad knows, you know, and a lot of your guests know, 20 years of wartime service as a country makes it very difficult to just be able to focus and balance yeah. Yeah. family and work. Uh, and so I'll tell you, it was at the 26 year point that I finally realized that I had a problem. Mm. Um, you know, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but uh, my career field has mortuary uh, in the service. I was a services officer and then poor support uh, officer for my time in the service. And part of that is doing mortuary affairs, not only in garrison at base level, but also deployed. Uh, and during my time, I had two stints at Dover uh, in 2007 to 2009. Yeah. And from it's a busy time, brother. Yep. Yeah, busy time, surge, man. Yeah. During the surge and then from 19 to 21. Uh, and so as we were hmm. you know, starting to draw down, um, but it, it wore on me and it wasn't until, you know, that 26 year point that I was like, Hey, something's not right. Yeah. You know, something's not right. And so I actually started to go talk to somebody, you know, I, because we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I think Nick said that in your last podcast, yeah, too, he did. we're younger and we don't want to think about those things, but it wasn't until that time that I realized that, hey, I needed a better relationship with my wife. Mm. I needed a better relationship with my kids. Uh, and so I started to focus, you know, on resiliency. And that started with talking with somebody. You know, um, it's not by accident. You and I have been going back and forth, chatting for a little bit, looking for a date to record this. We record here on 5 June. This will air on the 7th when we drop our shows on Wednesday. June is Mental Health Awareness Month. Not not by accident that uh, that you're the first show that we air in the month of June. That's interesting uh, turn of fate there. No coincidence by, yeah. by by no means. That assignment, man, to be uh, your last assignment, right? Was it Dover? My last assignment, yes. So that I mean, there is just a ton that it just comes with a lot of weight. You know, I think back to the episode we did with my friend Chris O'Toole, who's in Iraq, having to do mass grave uh, recovery. I mean, anything that's involved in that level of sort of finality of life and then to, ha to have to be such a part of for our warriors, mm. right, that come home that way. I just, you know, one of the most powerful moments of my life is I was just standing in an airport and watched a, uh, a dignified transfer, right, take place and just, man, whew, that was a pretty incredible moment. Um, yeah, it it stops everybody in their tracks when they yeah. see it, you know, at the civilian airport and some folks have seen it on video, you know, on Facebook or YouTube and they see that, or they see the actual dignified transfer at Dover, you know, play out on the news or play out, um, you know, when the president comes or the vice president mm -hmm. or any of our senior leaders come, you know, and it, it is, it's, it, it makes, it makes everybody take pause. Right. Sure. It should. You know, and really un understand what that member did for us. You know, I hope it does. Yeah. You know, and I hope, I hope we take pause in knowing that someone's waiting for them on the other side of that too. Oh, you absolutely. Know, so you've, you've obviously been very close with military families, which you continue to do today. Um, one of the greatest honors of my life was, you know, that first job I had after leaving TV in 2010 
working for military families, you know, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with gold star families. How does, how does career, right? Commission the air force in 92. What's the journey that ultimately leads you to that, that level of role and responsibility? Were you always in sort of that space? I mean, what, what's that path look like? No, not at all. So I graduated from University of South Carolina in 1992. Go Cox. Shameless. Go Cox. I know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I actually started out in the commissary. I was one of the last sessions. On in- base grocery shopping for yeah, our civilian exactly. listeners. Spent spent a many, many an afternoon in a grocery cart in a commissary stockpiling food for three boys. So great, great place. No tax. No, no tax, tax in the commissary. But there is a surcharge. Sure. Um, but one of the things I always said, I'm like, man, I didn't join the Air Force to be a Piggly Wiggly manager. That was a pivotal nothing, role, though, my brother. Nothing against Piggly Wiggly folks, but right. uh, you know that's not why I joined the Air Force. I actually had a uh, a navigator slot in ROTC, but that okay. was at the time of the cuts of pilots and navs. Mm. You know, and, and so I went there. Ten months later, I find myself in my first move uh, in becoming a services officer. And at the time, it was MWR Mortuary, or excuse me, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation and Services. So, you know, we took care of feeding. We took care of bed down. We took care of kids. We took care of golf courses. All the stuff, right? All the stuff that's happening on a base, right? All the stuff that takes care of people. Yeah. You know, and it was literally cradle to grave, Mm -hmm. you know, in the organization that we did. And, And so over time... You know, I just stepped through the services organization. Well, when my time at D.C. came, uh, was 03, 03, 04 time frame. Uh, unfortunately, we had the uh, Columbia incident mm. with the space shuttle. Yep. Uh, and so I found myself at Dover for the first time, working with the Armed Forces Medical Examiner, working with the FBI and doing the recovery on the Columbia uh, and we were responsible at the time of pushing all the information up to the chief of staff of the Air Force and making sure, you know, that that information was getting to the president and getting to NASA and, and all the right people. Well, after that, I went to, uh, I got selected for command at Shaw um, for the first time, then went to deployed and you know, did some mortuary stuff downrange in my deployment and then came back, went to the school air command and staff where I met my wife. That's a whole nother story for another day. Mm -hmm. Um, That's at Maxwell, right? At Maxwell. And then from there, uh, I got the call saying, yep, you're doing another command tour, but this time at Dover. Mm. And, And so Dover at the time, it was a services squadron and the mortuary was known as the port mortuary and was under the services water. Mm. So in that time was 0709 where we had the push in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, so unfortunately saw almost 1700 folks come through during those two years. Um, but I'll tell you the folks that I worked with, um, which were all services and many civilians are just amazing. Consummate professionals. Yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing folks to be yeah. able to do you know, what they did day in and day out, taking care of the families and taking care of the service member. You know, I couldn't have asked for a better organization to work with. Brian, that feels to me like there's a lot of areas where the United States of America distinguishes ourselves as it relates to what we do 
from a military power and people can see and hear and watch ships and planes and special operators and all that. But the way in which uh, I got to think the way in which we handle those that have made the ultimate sacrifice, like in those moments, I, at least I hope, right. That that's an area that sort of sets us aside. I think so. Absolutely. That's good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And having the opportunity to go back, um, you know, later because it changed when I left over, it changed from the port mortuary to the air force mortuary affairs operation. And it mm. became an 06 command. Um, and, and so it, it kind of changed the way it worked. It worked directly for, um, the folks in DC versus, you know, working at the base level and then up to air mobility command headquarters. So that changed just a bit. Um, and I always kind of crossed my fingers and hoped that I would have the opportunity to go back uh, and serve again, serve, you know, the members and their families and the folks that work there. Um, you know, and that, and, and that was that 1921 timeframe when you got to go back yeah. and, and have command of it. Last assignment, 28 years. I'm not going to ask you least favorite place because that's not fair. But of the 20 years, you have a favorite assignment? I mean, somewhere that you went that really just has always kind of stuck with you? Yeah, so for me, I, you know, I had four island assignments, which is really mm -hmm. weird because I was on Guam, uh, Hawaii, the Azores, and Okinawa, Japan. My favorite one was the Azores, largest field in Portugal. Um, it was a bit of Mayberry RFD, hmm. uh, very small organization uh it was still a wing at that time just over uh 1500 folks everybody knew everybody everybody knew everybody's kids yeah uh, and we were a floating gas station you know if you will we had a couple of other missions during the time but it was it was amazing we had a, the team that we had there at that time all knew each other all worked well with each other you know and really got stuff done hmm. uh and i was the uh deputy mission support group commander at the time. Uh, so I had no responsibility, real responsibility. You know, the, the group commander had the responsibility sure. and all the squadron commanders sure. had their responsibility. I just got to nudge them in directions that the group commander needed them to go. Hmm. So, you know, it was fun at the time. And, you know, when I say Mayberry, it was time with family. Yeah. But that was one of those, you know, you don't get a lot of pauses uh, in your military career, but that was kind of a pause that we, you know, we were able to do our work and, and still take care of the family all at the same time. And it was well balanced. Interesting. That's, and that's probably why it feels that way for you. All right. So you said 20 year career, 26 mark is where you start to, I got to work on some stuff. So what happens in that time frame? Um, so I, I just realized in my life, I, I kind of lost, uh, you know, um, my swagger, mm. if you will, yeah. uh, that it just didn't, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't communicating as well as I wanted to. Um, you know, I get a certain, even as you and I talk today, I get a certain quiver in my voice, um, you know, and, and it's kind of weird and it's just, you know, understanding yourself and working on yourself uh, yeah. and working on your relationships with your families and others you know, I, I was finding it more difficult to to make those connections with folks later, you know, later in life uh, than when I was a lieutenant and a captain. 
and, and it, it's just it's one of those things and as i talked to mental health professionals yeah you know what i realized it was the anxiety and the depression and and you know starting to realize that you know ptsd had crept its way in over time you know and so that's what i finally figured out and and really once i got to, back to dover for the second time they had created this amazing amazing resiliency program my predecessor with the help of the chaplains and mental health professionals uh and a resiliency lead actually put together a program uh and they actually the other thing is they actually started sending folks to see um a grief trainer if you will a grief counselor dr alan wolfeld in colorado um so that we could better understand how we support the yeah. families you know those military members coming to us and i had the opportunity to attend two of his classes and he started talking about ptsd and as he was talking about it i felt myself more and more understanding you know in my own mind what was going on and so that's how I kind of got the idea for bonfire and creating a resiliency ranch is to say, Hey, we have this great kind of organization, great kind of program to take care of people. How can I continue to do that after I hang up the uniform? Yeah. I love it. It's, you know, we've been, I've been so very fortunate and I really, I don't use that lightly blessed another way to describe it, to talk to guys and gals like you, who have sort of this 2.0, right, of life and career, this incredible military careers. And then what do you want to do with the rest of it? And I think about uh, just, man, just what that's going to look like. And for you, it's it's taking some of those lessons learned and then it's pouring it into Bonfire Ranch. Quick pause here as I would encourage you guys, um, go find me on LinkedIn. Every day this month, my friends at NGBN, which is a streaming television network for men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, creating content for men in a place designed for them. Underlying goal is to address mental health and to stop men from doing that ultimate act that we can't reverse, right? Every day this month, we're posting mental health awareness month videos about men's different journeys. Mine's coming up later in the month. I'm going to talk about some tactics I use to address mental health on a daily basis in my life. It's just God has, God has orchestrated this conversation today. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and that's why I'm just, I'm just, boy, I'm just kind of thrilled that we're being able to do this today. Listen, PTSD, depression, mental health, just dealing with stuff. It comes in different shapes and sizes. And it can be things like what Brian's talking about, or just maybe other things that have happened in your life that maybe you just haven't addressed. And here's the underlying, and here's the best part, the little secret of all of it. Ain't no shame in any of it. Nope. Ain't no shame in any of it. In fact, the empowerment that comes with addressing it, boy, I mean, think about being on the other side of that. And that's where I know that I'm going to talk specifically to men listening. I know sometimes you feel like you might be mired in it. Like there's no way out. Believe me, there is. We can overcome anything that's happened to you, except the one thing that you can do that we can't reverse. Don't ever do it. Right. Because I promise you on the other side, even if it's just a little daily victory, well, you can stand on a mountaintop and feel that. So I just felt kind of moved to say that, Brian. Um, no, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say 
you're, you hit the mark is don't be afraid to go talk to somebody. Right. Please. It takes a lot more courage and strength to be able to stand up and talk to somebody than it is to sit there and continue to bury it in the closet, mm. you know, in hope that that door never opens and everything spills out. No, yep. you have to allow it to spill out. And you have to talk to somebody. And the more you address it, the easier it becomes, you yep. know, because when you put it away and don't address it, it just builds and builds and builds in oh, your mind oh, oh, and everything oh, you know, just just, pounds. Yep. But as I talk about it and I understand, you know, the certain triggers with me, then it becomes easier to, to mm-hmm. think about and easier to process and be able to go, Oh yeah, that did happen in my life. I now know that I'm okay with that. I continue yep. to see better and better things on the other side of it, you know, so let me continue to share you know, and, and so last night I didn't sleep real well because I'm like, you know, how am I going to share this, you know, with Brian and your audience, you know? And so it gave me a little bit of a pause last night and a little bit of anxiety and, you know, going, okay, how am I going to do this today? But yeah, I've been doing it the last couple of months as we have folks come in. We had 47 OTS cadets come in two months ago. Um, you know, to do some volunteer work here at the ranch, but we spent the afternoon lunchtime talking about, you know, mental health and talking about resiliency and how horses can, you know, help work through those things. Because yeah. you have to be present with yeah. the horse. Yeah. You know, and kind oh, of yeah. talk to the to the ranch piece of it. Horses are these amazing creatures. You know, they can hear your heartbeat from four feet away. They They're mag- I mean, they are magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. They're just instinctual. They know what's going on in your head even before you do. And I tell the story, you know, we talked about dignified transfers earlier. Um, and I happened to be on my way to the barn when I was still in Delaware where I bought my first horse this time around. And I was talking to a general officer who was kind of grilling me about the dignified transfer mission that was upcoming. And I was explaining it to him and he wasn't he wasn't happy, you know, with some of the ins and outs, but we do it the same for every single person because they all deserve the mm. same reverence, dignity, honor, and respect. You know, they all deserve the same. So I was a little bit upset, but when I got to Maryland, uh, which is no more than 45 minutes down the road from, from Dover, I walked into Walker, who is my Tennessee Walker real original name, but walked into his stall and he gave me a sniff and he walked to the other side of the stall. He's like, uh-uh. I ain't with you today. I'm not with no, it today. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. And I walk over huh. to him and he'd run to the other side of the stall and he's like, we're not doing this. We're not playing this game today. So I said, okay. Took myself out, went for a 20-minute walk, tried to clear my head, kind of think about other stuff. And I walked back into the stall And I kind of took a deep breath and let out a sigh. And he walks over to me, gives me another sniff. I'm like, like, he's like, dude, we're ready. Goosebumps, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So he's like, we're ready to work. And so I was like, okay, you know. And so that really, I've always loved horses. I mean, I have pictures, you know, from when I'm three year old riding bareback. Mm. And I've always had this thing for horses, but that just solidified to me how much a horse can sense and how much a horse needs you to be present. Yeah. 
And if we can learn to be present with the horse, well, then we can also learn how to be present with our spouse, with our children, with our friends. Don't think about all the other stuff going on in this world. You have to think about the person that you're with. You need to have that face-to-face conversation. And that's the other thing about Bonfire Ranch is we stress having those face-to-face conversations because this thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Facebook and every other social media, it says that you have, oh, you have 500 friends or you have, you know, 2,000. No, you don't. According to a 2016 Oxford study, only about five people, and it doesn't matter if you have 150 friends or you have 5,000, only five are real friends. Only 13 or 14 will make comment when you post negatively, Hmm. you know, on social media. But why are you turning to social media if you have a real problem? Yeah. Yep. You know, you should be picking up the phone or you should be driving to somebody or asking for somebody to come and help you. Yeah. That's my group. It's one of my biggest fears with this generation of dad of young kids, 11 and seven. And it's, it's ensuring that the atmosphere of affirmation is created with real physical proximity versus digital affirmation is gone in a fleeting moment. It's a bowl of ice cream, right? Tastes great. Tastes great, man. Right. It brings me, I'm really happy. I'm really happy when I'm eating it, but it doesn't bring any joy. It doesn't bring you real fulfillment, right? Doesn't satisfy the hunger and the craving. And that's, it's issue. I mean, dude, I struggle with it. Like I'm sure all, most of us do. And most of you listening are like, I love posting something cool and a bunch of people react to it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's not real life. Oh, that's you, that, that instant gratification, right? right that know. we've been taught, you know. you know, in and out. And so one of the things I tell folks is, Hey, if, if you're going to have this on the ranch, go put it in the barn. Right. I got a charger, you know, go put it on the charger. Yeah, you'll use place. it when you need it, but you don't need it right now. Yeah. You got to get uh, connected, I'll take man. pictures for you. I'll post pictures for it. That's what I'm here. Nice. I need you to be focused on yourself or yeah. you and your family or you and your unit that you're here with, you know, but don't, you don't need that. Put it away. Hey, so you talked about wanting to build resiliency in yourself and your family, but you're also talking to me about wanting to do that for other people now through the ranch. Is it chronological, right? Do you guys start doing it first? And then you're like, this is something we can do to help other members of my community. Does it all happen at the same time? What's the, what is the genesis of this place, right? As a service place, as a nonprofit to help other people. So it, it really happened. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. I, you know, now that it's I got a damn, it's a damn it, good interviewer. I mean, God, I mean, really, like, I guess it's kind of chronological, right? Because in Delaware, I started riding horses with my kids. Okay. You know, my wife is not a horse girl. Um, you know, she's like, I take care of enough heartbeats, you know, <laughs> yours and the kids. I don't need, you know, right. six other heartbeats, you know, out the door. And so it's also one less thing to grow attached to. Yeah. That's why we're, my wife's like, we're not getting a dog because it's going to die someday and I can't handle it. I'm like, okay, fair enough. (laughs) Stronger person than I. I guess. But uh, it's chronological because, you know, I, I started taking the kids to horseback riding, you know, and my, my son has fell in love, you know, with horses and that, you know, you don't see that a lot, um, you know, with the guys, if you will, unless they're doing rodeo and he just loves to ride. And so he and I go in on a two hour trail ride together and having amazing conversations, yep. just watching his joy as he learns how, how to be a, become a better rider. 
you know, so those things happening in Delaware started, you know, then me talking with charity and saying, okay, one, we got to get closer to your family. So we got to find ourselves in Alabama. And this is what I want to do. You know, I want to create a place that we can provide resiliency, not only for our family, but for others. Uh, and, and so it, it, it just kind of happened over time. And, and so, you know, I've been retired. It'll be two years this, this October. And you know how terminal leave and all that funky st stuff mm -hmm. works. So it'll be two years in, in July. Um, I spent my first year trying to really understand what a nonprofit was. Sure. You know, that's a weird beast. And every state is just a little bit different. So I actually said, you know what? I'll learn as much as I can, but I'm going out and hire a lawyer um, and, you know, and an accountant and make sure that I'm doing all the right things. It's a good idea. <laughs> um, and, and so that was a little bit painful, you know, kind of learning those processes and those type things. And then this last year, uh, I started looking for volunteers uh, to come in and, and kind of set the groundwork of how we're going to lay out the ranch. Um, as well as start, starting to find some horse volunteers because I love riding horses, but it's hard to ride all the horses once a week and keep them, you know, patient and calm, cool and collected, especially when you get groups in here that want to mm -hmm. jump on horses. I don't want, you know, to create wild, wild west or the rodeo, yeah. um, you know, and that's the other big thing too, is, is just making sure that we're prepared for folks to come out. And we've had small groups. Like I said, this last weekend, we, we had four. Um, we hope to have another four coming out this weekend. And we have some Air Force First Sergeants uh, coming out on the 13th to kind of talk and learn about resiliency and work on their own. Um, but we had a group of 47, you know, so we're kind of, we're learning how to make sure that we can take care of groups of different sizes and making sure that we have the ability for them to create resiliency while they're here. All right. So you hear the words nonprofit guys, folks can help you out, right? How can they help you? Cause I mean, my guess is based on that, those members ideally are coming there at no cost to them to be able to do this. Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest thing for us is, is that this is, this is free you know, we, we don't want anybody to pay a dime. Uh, and so if you go out to bonfireranch.org uh, and look under our sponsors page, uh, there is a link to donor box, PayPal, whatever it is. Um, or if you go to a, our sponsors page, you can adopt a horse for a year and help us pay for vet bills and pay for feed uh, and all of those things. But uh, yeah, Ultimately, I want to make this free of charge for all military, and that's total force, active duty, guard, reserve, veteran, retirees, and their families, and for first responders as well. You know, we all have, you know, I won't say we all, but some of us, you know, have invisible wounds from our time in the service. And I want to make sure that we take care of those folks that have the invisible wounds and making sure that they have the resiliency to have a better life and have a better family life so that they can continue to have fun, you know, throughout this life, because that's, yeah. you know, life is meant to be fun. Before we go, tell me what they're right. If someone comes there, right. I've got the idea of horseback riding. What else, what other kind of activities are happening? Yeah. So we have 
the two acre pond I talked about. So, you know, you can hike down to the pond and go mm -hmm. fishing. Uh, we actually uh, have an Eagle Scout that has decided to do his Eagle project and he's going to put picnic tables and we have a bluff that overlooks the pond. And so you can come have a picnic with us. If a squadron from say Maxwell Air Force Base or a church organization wants to come out and have, you know, a picnic day, you know, you can bring all the games that you want to bring and just hike around our 40 acres um, and just just get out and have fun, you know, awesome. And, awesome. and really we can direct and do some things for you, especially with the horses or with fishing. But two, it's also for self-directed opportunities. If you want to just come out and have a picnic and talk as a family, that's what resiliency is all about. All right. Give them the website. Give us a data dump, right? Where can they go find everything? Yep. Listeners, I'm right? Let's get there. Let's throw throw some dollars their way. Let's talk about they got an amazing mission, right? Amazing mission. I can't wait to get down there and see it. We're going to talk offline. I got an idea. Um, right. Tell us tell us where they can go to help you guys find all the info. Sure. So go to bonfireranch.org. B-O-N-D-F-I-R-E. B-O-N-D. Right? And that's, you bring up a great point. Bond. We're creating the bond. And that's how we came up with Bonfire. Um, so, and then you can also find us on Facebook, uh, Bonfire Ranch, uh, and there is a donate button on there as well. And we're also on Instagram. Uh, and so we put out videos. We got, uh, yesterday we were, had, had the big puppies as I call them because they love to roll in the dirt, especially when it's hot <laughs> and they're sweaty, uh, and flies are all over them. So we had the big puppies rolling yesterday. Uh, one of the things that I'm learning is how to drive horses. Uh, and so I've been yeah. learning how to pull a carriage or drive a carriage as the horse pulls it. Um, but we have a great uh, video where the carriage is coming by and the, the whole herd of horses is coming up to meet the, you know, meet the rest of the, uh, sorry, the herd meet the carriage horse, which is, mm -hmm. which is just amazing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. We want you to come out, give us, you know, email us at bonfire ranch, uh, at gmail.com and uh, just you know just let us know what you're looking for we can build something or we can do something to make sure that you can create better resiliency in yourself or your family or your organization it's bond fire ranch b-o-n-d-f-i-r-e ranch r-a-n-c-h.org brian this has been man i knew this was going to be a great conversation had a feeling uh, I didn't know it was going to be this good though, <laughs> which is good, man. Grateful for you, brother. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Hey, thanks, Brian. We appreciate you and keep doing what you're doing. I, I looked at a couple of, you know, the podcasts and I, and I hit subscribe because I want to make sure awesome. that I'm understanding all the goodness that you're bringing to us as well. Would you guys be more like Brian Eddie and go out there, hit subscribe, like, leave a review. I can't tell you honestly, Brian, how much it helps us grow this thing that we're doing here two and a half years in, right? Um, and yes, we, I, I'm grateful for the kind words. It is the, uh, our privilege and our pleasure to do it because we're trying to share stories, right? We're trying to share stories about service, purpose, and impact. Connect us all something a little bit bigger than ourselves. The news sucks. Come here. We got great stories to share. That's what go. we do. Awesome. He's Brian Eddie. The name of it is Bond Fire Ranch. Check him out at bondfireranch.org. Uh, and they are creating resiliency in those they serve. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. He's Brian Eddie. I'm Brian Jodas. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast.